to another episode of the new narrative how are you oh my gosh first and foremost i hope you guys are excited for today's episode of the new narrative it is about to be a treat i am so excited i have a great great guest today jordy um he is a fashion consultant and a writer honey he is fabulous he is everything um so i'm super excited to talk to him we're going to talk about so many um different things so here we go let's add jordy to the conversation Hey, what's up, love? How have you been? I'm, I'm good. How have you been? I have been good. You know, I'm really excited to talk to you, Jordy, because you have such a different perspective um, than a lot of people because you grew up in Indonesia. So you have the experience of having a disability in another country and mm. then coming to the States and, mm. you know, having that experience as well. So I really want to make sure we get into all of that um, so people could really get an understanding of what disability is like in more places than their own community and, mm. you know, um, area of where they're at. But first, you know, I kind of want you to tell us more about your disability. Um, were you born with a disability? Did you become a person with a disability? So that way everyone here can kind of know more about who you are first and, and all of those kinds of things. Sure, so I was actually born here in America. I was born here in DC. Oh. Uh, I was born at 27 weeks and I weighed about two pounds, 12 ounces when I was born. So I was really, really small. Um, I have a disability known as cerebral palsy, so it restricts my walking abilities. Um, and I use a wheelchair to go long distances and around most places except my house where I can walk around, you know, without worrying about falling and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's my disability. When I was actually born, the doctor said I wouldn't be able to walk or talk or do anything like that. And so um, I proved them wrong. <laughs> I'm talking. Clearly, I already defined talking. the odds. Yes. Exactly. I never stopped talking, so. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's the disability I have, and um, it's it's been an interesting journey. I think I've always remained positive, and I know that's kind of my lot in life, so I have to make the most of it, you know? I love yeah. that. So given that you were born with a disability, um, and doctors telling you, you know, you may never walk, talk, and all mm -hmm. those different things, you know, was there a certain point in your life? I mean, I could only imagine you know, what it's like being young, because um, I was diagnosed with my disability at 14. So I actually had kind of a traditional, I guess you could say, able-bodied, um, you know, childhood. But for you, being so young, when did you make the decision, like, you weren't going to let whatever the doctors told you and your family, you know, that that would be the truth, you know? Well, first of all, I was raised by an amazing, amazing mom, and she Gotta always love our mommies. 
right? And she, since day one, you know, since I was young, since I was old enough to kind of understand and to comprehend, she you know, just explained to me that this is the situation, this is how it is, you can either be sad about it, or you can live your life to the fullest. And I think that kind of encouragement from my mom has always really kind of allowed me to look at things very positively. You know, when you're young, there are times where you know, you want to do things other kids can do. Um, and you know that you can't, and that can be really, really frustrating as a little kid. Yeah. Um, but my mom never, ever made me feel like I was any, any different than anyone else. And, you know, she always made sure that I did whatever I wanted to do and always encouraged me and still encourages me to do whatever I want to do and to, to try my best at doing everything. So, you know, it was a little difficult when I was younger. I mean, I, so I was born here and I moved to Australia. Got um, it, okay. And so, you know, it was it was a little difficult. Um, and then it became a different kind of difficult when I moved to Asia, uh, simply because of perceptions of disability. So got it. OK, so then what? Well, first off, let's shout out to the moms, because that is also another common thread that I'm realizing, you know, talking to, you know, fellow influencers like ourselves is that our parents play the one of the biggest roles in our lives as far as giving us the ability to be courageous and uh the encouragement that we need in order to live our fullest lives because my mm. mom was the same exact way like as soon as i you know my body started to change nobody changed around me and that was because my mom told everyone you better not change around my daughter so right. it, was, it was it was one of them kind of things you know um yeah. But nonetheless, so I want to just, you know, give a shout out to your mom for that. Um, but so you going from D.C. to Australia, then to Asia, and you mm. just mentioned like it was a different kind of experience. What was the difference then between, I guess, America, Australia and Asia or maybe the biggest jump is from Australia to Asia kind of break down those more so international experiences and having a disability. It was really interesting. So so just to give a little bit of background, I grew up in many countries because my mom is a diplomat. And so I grew up, my mom is an Australian diplomat. And so I grew up in um, the Philippines, China. Um, I did my college in Thailand, elementary school in Korea. And then I moved to Indonesia to work for three years. Then I moved here. So I moved, I've pretty much grown up in Asia my whole life. So when I was in Australia, when I was really young, I used to be in special needs. And that was because, you know, I don't think they, once you people sometimes associate physical disability with mental mm -hmm. right and so they put me in special needs or kind of put into a box my mom never really wanted me in there because she knew that i didn't really need to be yeah uh, and so she was always kind of fighting for that kind of normalcy in my life like i actually wanted me integrated with other students and and um allowed me like she really wanted that for me and so when we moved um first to korea and then to the philippines i was in a regular international school i i was the only kid with a disability in my class mm -hmm. and so um it was good because i was able to mix with everyone but at the same time because i was the only person with a disability a lot of students had to get used to that mm. but i was being given the same educational opportunity as everyone else and i wasn't kind of boxed as the child with a disability and who had to be in special needs and, and all that kind of stuff yeah. um i think though in a lot of countries in asia disability is still quite a taboo topic 
mm. and you don't really see it. I mean, Korea is quite good, but like in places like the Philippines and places like China and Indonesia, you don't really see it. In Thailand, you don't really see people with disabilities outside in the public at all, really. And so when I was in middle school, like we moved, I moved to the Philippines, I was in middle school, it was a really difficult time because the kids had never seen anyone like me before mm. and I used to get teased a lot and, mm. and that but I think once they kind of got used to it they then started to advocate for me when we went out in public people would stare people would point people would say really weird things I'd come up and they'd like touch my legs or like they'd touch my you know like things like that or they would just like literally just stop and be like you know, like, or say things like, you know, what are you doing outside? You know, or like things like that. So like my yes. friends were able to advocate for me because they'd become exposed to it. And so like at that young age, I learned that it was all about exposure and how that exposure can then change people's minds in regards to disability. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the thing that, you know, a lot of times, um, I mean, especially being American, you know, the only place like literally overseas that I had been was in France. And I never thought that I can actually physically travel that far to begin with. So I think a lot of the times as people with disabilities who are here in America, because mm -hmm. we don't get that, ex we don't think that we can get that exposure overseas, you know, um, we don't know. So it's, it's really interesting that you, that you say that. And do you know, why kind of like, like, what do you think is the reason that um, those particular countries who still don't, you know, who are asking you, like, why are you outside? Like, why? Like, like why do you think that, like, that is in a sense? I don't really know. I, I, can't, I, I don't really know the answer to that. I think it's just lack of exposure. Um, and I think that in some countries like Indonesia and in the Philippines and in Thailand, it's it's more so kind of I, I've been told somewhat that like I'm cursed in a way because I have my disability and so it, it people it's like a cultural thing that you know goes back to a long time like a long time ago and, and people I think get ashamed of the disability and maybe hide their kids away who are disabled and so and so I think that maybe that may be one reason why people are like that um so it's like yeah uh... it, it, it is very interesting yeah, so it's like more so just like a cultural thing, you think, like mm -hmm. just yeah. traditions, because that's the thing, a lot of countries, you know, outside of America, um, you know, they have true traditions that they hold on to for generations at a time. So, mm -hmm. um, so that that's definitely um, interesting. So you, you grew up in all these different countries. Mm -hmm. You had all these different experiences mm -hmm. and from people, like you said, basically telling you that you're cursed, uh, why are you outside and all these different things, knowing that all of that pushback is against you, what gave you the courage or the um, confidence to still be like, no, I'm not like whatever you think about me that's not true and not only just the courage to do that but mm. also the courage to get into fashion right so the first part of that i think i've been really really fortunate to have been able to attend really good schools you know overseas international schools with kids from all over the world and so those environments you know are really 
really, really, really beneficial for a kid's growth. And I think that, you know, when your school and, and your parents and your friends are, are really encouraging you and making you know that you're not like anyone else when you kind of go out into into society or when you're on the weekends or whatever you're doing and, you know, people act that way. I think you also just kind of like rub it off your shoulder. Like you're like, I don't care as much. But yeah. also I also had to understand where they were coming from. And I knew that people who said that were just not aware. And I think that you can, with having a disability, I think you always have to have kind of a thick skin. Yeah. And you have to kind of, I always learned to look at intention versus action. So maybe someone's, they may not have the worst intention, but their action may kind of seem crappy. Yeah. Um, and so I know when people do that or they ask me, like, what's wrong with you? Like, they're not, they're genuinely just wanting to know. And I think that it's kind of my um, duty to create dialogue and to, mm. to, to teach and educate. Um, when it comes to that so yeah. i think that yeah my environment in general just gave me the courage to just get out there and not let it not let it get to me i mean it would sometimes especially as a teenager okay when you're of going you're, you know it would get to me sometimes when you go to the mall and everyone's like looking at you and and people are saying things and even now like when i go when i go back to when i go to somewhere like for fashion week let's say i'm in seoul I mean the elevator and people talk about me in Korean like why is someone in a wheelchair here you know like and I can hear or like that's like that's so awkward and I'll be like oh <laughs> so like, and then I answer back and then they get shocked but it's like I think it's just um yeah I think it's just having confidence and 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 knowing that you know I I know myself and I know my value and I know that I'm normal and I know that I'm wonderful and so you know it's having that confidence to just yeah keep going I guess and in terms of fashion Mm-hmm. that that actually was really hard because when I first entered the industry I was in Indonesia and when I started my career I remember attending a lot of events and people were just really scared to talk to me people would leave me alone they wouldn't come near me I think they felt a little bit awkward that you weren't expecting someone in a wheelchair to be there no one really knew how to approach it mm-hmm. and so I had to approach them and talk to them and then get them to become comfortable mm-hmm. um but it's definitely it definitely hasn't been the easiest road but it's been a, a, a big journey yeah, yeah um, I, I mean, one, you know one reason I thought I wanted to get into fashion was so I, cause I thought that would be a great way for me to have a platform to break those perceptions um I love that I love that because I think the thing is, is we all know, I mean, whether we're actually in the industry or not, a lot of Mm. us know that traditionally the fashion industry isn't the kindest place. Mm, Uh, The disability or not, it's traditionally not where nice people kind of work. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, because, you know, there's ego, there's perception, there's image and all these different things and so when you're already kind of um in a situation where they don't see you as beautiful simply because you use a mobility device it's like you almost got a strike against you in so many ways and so i think it's always a very courageous thing when people with disabilities get into industries like fashion where we're like nah like forget what y'all thought beauty looked like before. Like I'm equally as beautiful or cool as anyone else and can understand it as anyone else. So, you know, wanting to break those perceptions in the fashion industry mm-hmm. um, overseas, what was some of the work that you did to break those stereotypes and perceptions about people with disabilities? 
So for me, I, like, I, like I said before, I, I always believe it's about exposure. And I think I learned that when I was young and the only kid with a disability in my class and my friends were able-bodied and I saw that by hanging out with me, they kind of got a better understanding. And so going into my work in fashion, I really did, this, I had, you know, the same kind of mindset. Mm -hmm. I first started my own fashion website and through there, I was able to write a lot about fashion, promote a lot about emerging designers, but also with my through my friends who were a lot more successful than me in the Asian fashion scene, having them kind of come bring me at events and us all being up on each other's social media feeds and everything like that and just having that constant exposure, I think that was one way that I that, that I was able to do it and try and break those perceptions. And one of my friends, one of my designer friends told me that I had to just make people get I had to make people get used to it. Mm. And so I think as long as I had a constant presence, whether people liked it or not, whether they looked down on me because I was disabled or not, or whether they felt uncomfortable or grossed out by my disability, they didn't have to get used to it. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the attitude that I took in. It's like, I'm not going to not come to events because you make me feel like I shouldn't be here. I'm going to continue to come until, you know, you're used to me being here. You know what I mean? I love um, that. I love that. So when you're going to the different events and, mm -hmm. and, and places, and just in general overseas, what is the accessibility experience like? That's a really good question. I've really been waiting for you to um, <laughs> ask that question. So accessibility is, it's interesting because if you go to Asia, you could go into any high-end store because it's, they're all in malls. And okay. the malls are all flat, pretty much. Mm. Getting in the elevator might be... <laughs> <laughs> the only struggle because everyone uses the elevator like in Indonesia okay. but um, um, most of the events were in malls in Jakarta and so in Jakarta, Indonesia and so I was able to just wheel in and <laughs> you know, do my thing but um, accessibility in general in uh, other places can be pretty can be pretty tough um, I think I'm used to it though because that inaccessibility has become accessible for me. I had I had the means to be able to have a car and, you know, have someone to bring me to, to and from places and, you know, I can walk a little bit and so I can walk upstairs if needed. But um, I do remember, I think a few years ago, I went to Shanghai for Fashion Week and China is actually a pretty, well, Beijing and Shanghai are pretty accessible because they're all flat. But um, there were a few instances where I was at shows and I went in, I wheeled in and then the exit was like five or six steps and i said to the guy well can i go out the way i came in and he's like no that's against the rules and i was like um <laughs> but i can't you know and he's like you have to go that way we'll just help you and i was like but if i can wheel out the way yeah. i came in it makes it easier and they're like no 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 no, that's not the way and so like you know so sometimes it could be hard like when i went to another show that was literally in a water tank and there were only stairs going all the way up um nice. People were really helpful, though. I think in Asia, people are generally pretty helpful. And so they carried me up. They carried wow. my wheelchair behind me. And, you know, because they were like, well, we don't want you to miss out. And so people are always willing to help. So even if there's no accessibility at a venue, people are really uh, willing to help it for the most part, I think. Um, well, that's amazing. Mm. That, that That's really cool because I think we, we a lot of the times, um, don't believe that there's nice enough people out there that would want to help us and so we a lot of the times choose not to even try to go to different places in case that if it's not accessible that you wouldn't be able to get in and so it's it's good to hear that even overseas like 
people are super helpful and, and willing to help because I know here in America, you know, I've luckily um, come across a lot of helpful people, but then I've definitely come across where people are just like, no, you can't, too bad. Like, you're going to have to, you know, I've been rejected going, trying to get into a club before um, and that whole thing, you know? So it's just, it's just so interesting to hear kind of your experiences as well as um knowing my own personal ones too and you know you being coming now you working in indonesia for three years um mm. in the fashion industry do you feel like you've made your mark like do you feel like Definitely. you know I, I, and just to backtrack a little bit um into what you said about not going into clubs you know when i was in high school i went to clubbing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and um people would help carry me up the stairs you know i love so, you know, people, I mean, you know, it really depends on the person. And I, I think sometimes it's also about asking for help. I mean, if you, some people are too scared to do that, but I'm, I'm not. And so I usually like, can you help me? And they're like, okay, sure. You know? Yeah, um, me too. I'm never afraid to ask for help. I actually advocate for people with disabilities to ask for help all the time, because it's like, if you need the help, just ask for it. Like there's uh, actually exactly. people who'd be willing to do it for sure. Exactly. And so to answer your second question, I really, I really do think I made my mark. You know, look, I went there in 2014, 2013, knowing nobody, knowing nothing, having to break into the industry, having some designers like laugh at me and not want me to wear their clothes, mm -hmm. to leaving three years later with every editor, every celebrity, every stylist, mm -hmm. every designer knowing who I was and had worked with me at some point. I and love that. All my friends who were bigger influencers or actors and singers or whatever they were them showing me on their profiles and you know me always you know being with them because my friends um really i guess also helped shape their fans minds of disability mm -hmm. and i think that one thing i found really interesting is although disability is taboo in some places in asia because i was out there doing it people were really amazed and it's really mm -hmm. funny because even when i was younger growing up in different places whether it was china or the philippines or whatever the old people would always be like you're really amazing you're outside you know so i think that just by by doing it people get their minds blown because they haven't seen it before mm. um in asia there's only myself and there's one other guy in japan with a disability in wheelchairs who are actively in fashion two of us wow yeah two of us there's like a, a few other people who are like trying but and they're getting there but i mean in terms of having a bigger presence there's only two of us Wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, clearly you're trailblazing the way for other influencers and people who want to really get into fashion, especially overseas and in Asia. That, mm. that is amazing. That is like, that's actually incredible. So like when, when you left uh, Indonesia to come back to the States, what was the biggest difference you would say between your experiences so far um between navigating the fashion industry and fashion week mm. overseas and you know doing it here in america um i think i was taken by surprise because i always grew up thinking that america or americans were a lot more open-minded when it came to disability and in some ways they are a little bit more respectful because yeah. um, they've been exposed to it a little bit more uh, but i i was quite shocked you know one, I thought people would be really embracing of it. And then I realized, wow, people kind of low-key like look down on you here too. You know what I mean? Or like they low-key think you're stupid. Or like things like that. I wasn't expecting that. I mean, I remember this isn't this isn't uh fashion, but 
I first arrived here and I went to go to a function of some sort and I caught the bus mm -hmm. and I got off and I had this amazing outfit on. I looked hot as shit. Yes. And I was, you know, lost. I was two blocks away from where I needed to go. And I went to ask for directions <laughs> and I said to the people, excuse me. And they're like, well, we don't have any money. And I was like, <laughs> I think they thought I was begging because I was brown and I'm in a wheelchair. Oh uh, my gosh, that's so annoying. And I was like, do you not see this? Right, like, do you not see this outfit? Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah um, and so I, that was kind of my first realization that, wow, maybe, you know, it's not as I, as I, as I imagined it to be. And in fashion, I definitely have found that, um, that, yeah, people are not as welcoming as I thought they would be, uh, mm. unfortunately. Yeah, I, you know, it wasn't a major expectation, but it was. I definitely thought people would be more embracing, mm -hmm. and I also and uh, I found that they're not as embracing because they still kind of look down on it as much as everyone else around the world does. Yeah. Um, what was also a really interesting realization, if you don't mind me saying, was that I I also found that a lot of people here with disabilities are excluded, who who really say they want to make a positive change in the industry whether it's fashion or whatever it is but reality they just want to be famous so <laughs> i also think those people kind of do us a little bit of a disservice as well okay. when they're being so thirsty and like you know doing all that but it's yeah. like uh, yeah I, I really found that it wasn't as as open as i thought it would be and me now being here three years i haven't really gotten to where i wanted to be uh mm. by this time in fashion mm. i thought i'd be a lot further than i am now um, right right yeah. so so two questions um, yeah well let me say this more i'm gonna say i'm gonna make a statement based on what you said because i think that is so so important to know is that because i mentioned this on my panel two days ago um about how other influencers with disabilities sometimes we feel like there's only one spot for us so the ones who are trying to only be famous and not really make the change that they claim they want to make um, mm. is kind of tend to be rude, you know, and right. that's part, but that's part of that fashion industry um, experience that everyone tends to have where it's like everyone's vying for that one spot. And, you know, and when you're a person with a disability, and you're not really doing it for the culture of disability and the purpose and of yeah the change that we want to see mm -hmm. it's like you'll do anything to you know get there and i think exactly what you said that that's unfortunate that you know those are those experiences and that how that happens in that way um but i do think though that the representation does at least make a change and it, it does. does make a difference even if people don't know what's happening behind the scenes but i also think it's important we support each other as well and you know i went to a photo shoot i think this is my most shocking story in, in telling this interview i went to a photo shoot last year and there was someone that i looked up to in a way who had a disability who was on this photo shoot with me mm -hmm. and um one moment we were talking about how you know, it's hard to be have a disability in fashion and, and look what's going on and, you know, people don't take us seriously. And in the next moment, we're talking about something and I mentioned how, you know, we were talking about something silly. And then I said to that person, you know, well, one day when I'm on the cover of Vogue, I want to, and then that person stopped me and was like, Vogue, 
honey, more like Target. Get your goals right. And I was like, whoa. And then I was like so shocked because I was so like, here you are, a trailblazer people with disabilities in fashion, and you're saying that to me. I mean, I didn't really care, but I was just more disappointed that those words came out of the person's mouth. And then the next month, they're in British Vogue, and they're talking about how they want to lead the way with people with disabilities, and they want to open doors. And so, like, for me, I find, like, if you don't want to do that, you don't need, you, that's, that's your prerogative. You don't need to help anybody, right? But don't say that in public and then go and tear people down in reality, you know? Wow. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yo, like, <laughs> listen. All I'm going to say is you are very lucky I wasn't there because we would have we would have had an exchange of words because <laughs> it's on, on behalf of you, because I think ah, now we're about to go into a whole different direction of this conversation. But <laughs> I will say that I think that's also the thing about being an influencer with a disability is that mm. not all of us are designed to be the activist. Don't feel like you have to be exactly what you said, have to be that person right. advocating or wants to support the disability community if you're mm. really not that person. Let the people who really want to do that work do that, do exactly, work and support them in what they're doing. You know, right. we ain't got time for the foo-foo, fluff-fluff, Fake wishy-washy yeah you see what i'm saying yeah i mean like i don't really consider myself an activist either and i think by just succeeding and doing what i'm doing i'm breaking those perceptions but i'm not going out there with science and being like you know like that's that's not me you know exactly um, and that's okay because the work that you're doing is equally as important as the work that you know true activists out there are doing as well um so that is listen you know i'm gonna have to catch the tea on that story uh yeah off camera because <laughs> i ain't got time i ain't got time for the bullshit. um so people please leave your questions in the question box below um this has been such an amazing conversation my mind is being blown at everything that jordy is telling us so please leave your questions in the question box below we are going to get to the q a very sh shortly um just a couple of more questions um, sure. and then we'll get to the q a um sure so having that experience here mm. in mm. america and kind of breaking into i guess the american uh fashion industry um what do you then want your goal to be out here like because you achieved so much in asia i would assume that those accolades and those connections and that network would have kind of uh, assisted you breaking into american fashion so is there somehow a disconnect between the two worlds is it like kind of break break that down um, I definitely think there is a disconnect. I think that although I achieved a lot in Asia, I could have achieved more. And I definitely think that, you know, people really look to the West and look to American fashion, look to European fashion industries. You know, they kind of lead by example. And, you know, so if I go back to Korea, a designer may, may want me to wheel in their runway show, but they're too scared to, to do that because they haven't seen anyone else do it. And so, um, 
I think hopefully I'm answering your question correctly. I do think there is a little bit, of, a little bit of disconnect with that. Like I'd hope, I guess my goals here would be to build my presence more, to be able to be working with more designers here, to be in more campaigns, to to be in a runway show for a designer in the West here in America or overseas, and then hope then that would then help advance people people's minds in Asia about disability and inclusion. Because, you know, people always look to America for those things. Um, and so I think that if America, if people, if the industry here really sets the example, then everyone else will follow. Mm. And so I think that that's something really important that I want. I want to accept the example here so that everywhere else can follow. Um, I always joked that if Anna Wintour got in a wheelchair tomorrow, everything would be accessible in fashion, you know. That part. I don't that want it to happen to her. I love her. I don't want it to happen to her. But I'm just saying, like, you know, when the body of the body follows the head of the snake, right? So like, you know exactly. And That's I guess exactly America is too. America is seen as a leader in that space. And so I hope that if they are more advanced, then everyone else will kind of follow suit. Oh. Got you. Did I answer your question correctly? Yeah, yeah no, you you, de you definitely did, for sure, for sure. So before we get into the Q&A, final mm. question, you guys, leave your questions down below in the box below. Please, 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 please. Um, so, Jordy, what do you want the new narrative to be with regards to how disability is perceived in general and within the fashion industry? I think I want the new narrative to be that people with disabilities are people first, where people before our disabilities were human beings. Um, and, I, you know, my dream is to be able to see in fashion models with disabilities in campaigns and runways, not as the token person with the disability or to promote diversity, but because their beauty and what they have to bring to the table is valued. And I really hope that that is a new narrative. So it's like, it's like you're used to it. Once it's there and once everyone sees it all the time, it just becomes like one of everything else. Mm -hmm. So what if that model has a wheelchair? So what if that model is is like this or like this? You know, once I want that always to be constant and not something that's just like happens every now and then. I hope I that that's the new narrative in fashion. I definitely hope so. And I also really hope that, you know, people with disabilities open doors for each other and push each other up ramps, you know. Uh, exactly. And uh, we yeah. all support each other. I think that's my biggest hope for the future because we we can't expect to be embraced if we don't embrace each other. You know. So I love that. I love that. What is your top advice for fashion designers who want to design inclus inclusively? So the person who's asking this is actually an amazing, amazing, amazing emerging designer who I know very well. Um, who actually um, who is really forward-thinking in, in her design um, and I love you um, so I guess my top advice for designers who want to design um, inclusively I think first of all is labeling so don't label your collection as an inclusive or an adaptive collection okay. uh, you know just have it adaptable to begin with I think start off small so by kind of gradually introducing adaptability into the clothing, whether it's making um, shirts with magnetic buttons or 
um, oh my gosh, adjustable, things that can be adjustable, that anyone with any body shape, body shape can feel comfortable in and feel beautiful in. I think that that's really important. Um, that would be my top advice, to kind of gradually introduce those adaptable elements, but never label your collection adaptive, because then that's still separating and othering the disability community from your brand. Now, that's yeah. an interesting perspective on that, because I totally understand that perspective, but I'm curious as to then how would you um, suggest the disability community to know that a designer's clothes have adaptive features if it's not actually labeled as adaptive? Like, what do you think could be that piece of it? So I think in the in the collection description, you can put that the collection is, that the, this, these pieces are adaptable. But what I'm trying to say is that don't label the whole collection as an adaptive collection. Okay, you know that's what, what you're mean? saying. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I think I think like that. Okay, cute. I, I think that's a great idea as well. Okay, let's see. Okay, here's another one. Um, did you can you see it? I can. What do you think about brands that focus on designing for disability first? Mm hmm. Fashion consultant genius, you. What are um, your thoughts there? <laughs> I. I like it. You know, I think that it's important for brands to. <laughs> I, I, I do. I, I just, I, I'm just trying to think how I can word this. Um, you know, so I actually work with a brand called Fora that designs people with disabilities. Mm -hmm. um, they design for disability first in mind. Got it. And they're an amazing, amazing brand who have really cool products. Uh, but they don't always, how can I say, it's not always, how do I say? So they design people with disabilities first, and that's the main premise of their collection and their brand, and that's what their brand is. Mm -hmm. But when you look at the marketing campaign, it's people with disabilities with able-bodied people. And so although they're designing for disabilities at first, they're promoting the products across a range of people with disabilities, people without disabilities. And I think it is important for the community to have something that is for them. Mm -hmm. You know, I really think it is important to have something that is for them. Um, but if you're a brand that's looking to also expand into people, like to people who do not have disabilities, then that could get a little bit a little bit iffy because by already having a, a brand and you're saying that it's for disability first, then you're kind of shoving off everyone else who's not disabled, right. you know. Um, right. But if you want to have a brand that is for disability first and exclusively all people with disabilities, then that's totally fine. I think that that is needed. I think it's necessary yeah. because those brands will be able to get things right that a lot of other brands may not be able to. Right. Um, and so, you know, I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing love it love it okay so here we go you mentioned shanghai shanghai and beijing what mm -hmm. other cities and countries have you found to be more accessible any okay. of them that were not very accessible so they're accessible in different ways i think that for me coming into america i've become a little bit more lazy because i things are more readily accessible for me than they are in asia so now i'm like i'm a little bit more you know, not as willing to jump out of my chair and do something, but but um, I definitely think Beijing and Shanghai are accessible in in certain ways. In the sense that, like, 
you know, most things are flat, you know, most locations, because if you think about those places in particular, that before, like 20, 30 years ago, there were more bikes than cars on the road. Mm. And so naturally those cities generally are pretty flat. Um, I found them really accessible. Um, other places like, but you know, and they also have lots of malls and lots of things, but no matter where you go, there'll be places you cannot enter, right? Like, especially if you can't walk. So, like, even in China, there are some places I may not be able to go to if if there's no one around to help me get up to a certain place, you know. But gotcha. in terms of in generally getting around, I find them really accessible. Indonesia is not the most accessible country. There are no pavements. There are no sidewalks. You know, that you have to have a car um, or a taxi everywhere. Gotcha. And, you know, um, but but the taxi company there has a rule where they have to take people with disabilities. Mm. And so if you can afford to take a taxi, mm. that'll be fine. Um, I just wouldn't recommend it as your first place to travel with a disability in Indonesia. Gotcha. Um, Bangkok and Thailand, I mean, because things are doable for me because I'm used to doing it, right? And so right. I don't want to say that it's totally accessible and someone goes and have a really shitty time. Yeah. Um, and there are certain steps you need to take. Like, so when I'm in Bangkok, I usually have a car bring me around places. Mm. Um, Bangkok is accessible in some ways, but it's it's not accessible in other ways. I think if you want to go and do shopping and go to the mall and go eat in restaurants, those things are fine. But if you really wanted to go out and explore the streets, not everything would be totally accessible. Mm. Uh, I also live in Manila. Manila, you need a car. So if you have a car to bring you around everywhere, I think you'll be fine and people okay. are always willing to help you. Um, America is accessible sometimes <laughs> in some ways, unless, you know, in DC I live and they have this historic rule where they can't put a ramp in a building because it's historic, which is ridiculous because in Beijing they have the Forbidden City, which is millions of years old and they have ramps everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> America, um, yeah. But yeah, I definitely think uh, Beijing, Singapore is also somewhere that would be quite accessible too. Okay. So like Beijing, Shanghai, Singapore would be quite accessible in some ways for you. But I really think depending on your disability, you need to do the research first. Gotcha. And um, if anyone has, has any questions about those places, they can always DM me. I'm happy to help them figure out something. So yeah. Yes, yes. Okay, well, Jordy, thank you so much. I had a blast chatting with you. Thank you for all of the information that you that you gave us. Um, I know so many people are still asking, like, what about this country? You know, someone said, how is Australia for accessibility? Australia is great. Australia is great, y'all. Can I, can I answer one question before you go? There's one that someone put in the comments. My husband has CP. We often wonder if he should tell someone before meeting them so that they know what to expect, even if he doesn't need accommodations. Do you tell people in advance? I think that's a really important question. I'm sorry, you really want to answer? Yes, yes, um, please do. For me, I do. I really, it depends what I'm doing or where I'm going or who I'm meeting. Uh, generally, I like to give people a little bit of a heads up so they can, so you know, so that they're just aware they may need to help. I always think that's polite. Mm -hmm. um, I, that, that's what I would do. I think it's really important to to tell people just so they know what to expect, right? And just so they know they may have to help you out. 100%. Yeah. And plus, it's like, it's always good for people to know 
ahead of time as well because therefore you don't show up as like this big surprise that people weren't expecting and then it turns into a very awkward situation so i would mm -hmm. definitely highly recommend just casually let them know like hey you know my husband's a wheelchair user so you know let me know what the accessibility is looking like if you have any questions you know we are always here to help you blah 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 um because a lot of times people are super willing to make the adjustment in order for you to attend so um yeah i would agree with jordy definitely definitely let people know um but thank you jordy you know i'm trying thank to make sure the timer doesn't go off so thank you so so much i appreciate you you guys please follow jordy um about anything dealing with fashion please visit his website um ask him about any countries that you want to travel to and what accessibility looks like um because we need to be out there. We need to travel. We need to enjoy ourselves just as much as anyone else does. So, Jordy, thank you. Thank you so, so much. This is another episode of The New Narrative, and I will see you guys soon. Thank you for having me. Bye. Bye. Jordy's story was such a special one for me to learn about. With him having experiences with disability lifestyle from varying areas of the world was fascinating. A lot of the time we feel disability is treated the same within our own bubbles. But no, it's different for everyone all around the world. I'm very thankful for everything Jordy shared, enlightening us all, and I hope you feel the same way. Follow him for all updates, fashion related, at east.and.west. This is the new narrative. Thank you for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Entertainment Speakers Bureau in association with Sitting Pretty Productions and Tasty Shop Media with production sound design by Bonnie and Clyde Productions.